Welcome back. We are learning today. To, um, I'd like to say to thank the sponsors this morning to Jack and Barbara Siegel, who are sponsoring today's shear for um, Barbara's grandfather's yard site, Mordechai ben Yosef Meir Halevi. It's wonderful to see a family that always remembers. This is going to be a, fa- a shear about memory. So there's uh, there, there we continue the flame. And Mitzvah should be an alias neshama for your grandfather. We also thank Dr. Moshe Yeager, who is now sponsoring. He just came out of Shiva this last week for his mother, Eshenia Bas Moshe. Um, during her Shloshim, a remarkable individual, somebody who carried on fighting despite the many, many, many obstacles that said she should not. And Baruch Hashem, the legacy continues. And to Robert and Rita Glack, who are sponsoring for the yard side of Robert's mother, Mrs. Edith Glack, Chana, Bas Yitzchak, Isaac, Ezzas Hashem, Nishmasa, Aden. Today our, our focus is going to be memory and Jewish consciousness. This topic is so fascinating. It has so many different ramifications. We're going to be focusing on the mitzvah we're about to perform this Shabbos, the mitzvah midaraisa, as we get to Pasha Zachar. We are going to have Shabbat Zohar, it is the second of the Arba Parshios, and we're going to read a little bit about the importance of this mitzvah. Let's understand what, what's at stake. We're told three very basic psukim. We're told that we're supposed to remember Zohar, Asher, Salacham, Oleik, Baderech, Betzeh, Tzchem, Mitzrayim. Remember what they did to you on the way when you left Egypt. Asher, Korcha, Baderech, that they happened upon you on the way. And they took advantage of those who are the weaker ones after you. And you were... Um, Tired, you were um, struggling, you were weary. You weren't fearing God. When Hashem will give you that the, the, the wherewithal, when you have the space to be able to do this, remove, eradicate the um, the, the name of Amalek and do not forget it. Um, so this is, this is the mitzvah, we read this, we hear this, we know it almost off by heart, this is the, when everybody's going to be in shul. And just a few basic questions, just a few basic questions to, uh, to ask. Question number one is, um, is, you'll notice an interesting thing, is that um, it is described in a Lashon Yachid. You'll notice that's interesting? It's almost as if this sounds very personal, right? Asher Korcho Baderech, who came upon you on the way. When Hashem will relinquish you from all your enemies. You notice that it's a Lashon Yachid. On the one hand, we assume that this is a national mitzvah. But then why is it talking to us as if we are the, each person in their seat in shul is the primary object of the sentence. They're the primary person who is being responded to. That's one question to think about. Um, another question to think about when it comes to this is, um, you know, we have to go back to Pasha's Bashalach, which we really encountered just recently, where the story actually happens. This is the rendition, the second rendition of it. This is now how 40 years later we're going to deal with this. But when it actually happened in Pasha's Bashalach, you'll notice that this was not the only calamity that the nation of Israel were, were facing in Pasha's Bashalach. When they were at the Yamsuf, when they were on the banks of Yamsuf itself, they were facing the Egyptian army. The greatest empire in the world was chasing after them. And what does Hashem say to B'nai Israel then? Don't call out to me. Hashem will save you. You Hashem will fight your battles. You will be. Uh, you you keep quiet, and that's what, exactly what happens. The sea splits. They walk through. The Egyptians are decimated. Then a few psukim later, at the end of Perak uh, Yud Zion, at the end of the parasha, suddenly there's a change of tune. Now we have another enemy who's attacking us, coming from this side, and in this case, good weapons. Find a general. Fight, and now not only is it fight, but now the battle continues and we have to carry on fighting. 
But what happened? Why, why is there a difference? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is fighting our battles, let him fight all our battles. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is interested in us girding our weapons and, and, and taking up arms, then let us do that in every situation. Why, when it came to the Egyptians, we were passive? Why, when it came to Amalek, we were active to the point that if you're not active, like Shaul Amalek later on, that's seen as a sin, that's seen as, as something which is absent in one's service. Isn't that fascinating? Just put the two, the, the two together, same parsha. Why, why, why the big difference? And of course, the biggest question which, uh, which should, should be plaguing us of, and right now is the idea of memory and forget, forgetfulness. I just, it's so fascinating how these two ideas work together. This, to me, is always a, a, a troubling issue, is you're supposed to remember and eradicate at the same time, right? So the way that you eradicate a memory is you don't include them in the textbook, right? That's the simplest way to do things, right? You control history by controlling the textbooks of education. And the way you do that is simply you do not mention Amalek anymore. You know, the only people in the world who know about Amalek today are the Jewish people. Everybody else has forgotten them. <laughs> so isn't that defeating its own ends? We should just, as the other nations forgot about Amalek, we should forget about Amalek by not talking about them. But instead, they're in Shul. Everybody comes to Shul and we remember them. But we're remembering them, but we're erasing them. So that's, that's another question which, which, uh, which, which comes to mind. So I'd like to explore a few ideas together um, in Jewish thought. In, uh, um, and this, this idea takes us into uh, the realm of psychology, into the realm of spiritual psychology, where we're going to try to unpack this idea. We're going to look at this from the following perspective. The Torah, actually, the, the, this is expressed in so many different thinkers, but we're going to look through just some examples of Gedushas Levi, that Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Berditchov says a very beautiful idea which we're going to try to unpack a little bit and see its applications. The idea is very general. We're going to try to see the, the specific applications of this in just a moment. Source 2, the Kedushas Levi on Purim says the following. He says, He says, It would seem, It's not just that they're commanded to remove, to eradicate the seed of Esav. That's listen to the transformation. Every Jew is responsible to eradicate the aspect of Amalek which is to be found inside of themselves. So now, as opposed to thinking about this as a historical and national entity, we're thinking about this as a psychological entity. Something inside of each of us, there is a, an Amalek which is to be found in, our, in ourselves. And he goes on one line further, he says, The calls man, Amalek If in the world, which is the macrocosm, there exists an entity called Amalek, then by perforce, in the microcosm, which is the Olam Katan, the, the human being, there exists an entity called Amalek, which requires eradicating. So therefore, what Rav Levi Yitzhak is essentially saying is, rather than turning the lens outwards and trying to work out all these moral questions about eradicating nations in, in the 21st century and the moral components of, the, of, this, kind of this kind of genocide, we should be turning the lenses inwards and saying, is there something internally 
where I have the capacity to remove it, which is reflecting of that ideology, which is very much the line in Hasidic thought, right? This is, this is the internal, internal battle versus the external battle. But that shift in paradigm is very helpful. By the way, I should just mention as an aside today, you know, you, there's so many articles today, you replete, you read, type in Amalek, the moral, the moral struggle that we have with this notion of, of the command to destroy another nation and everybody's struggling with this morally. Nobody's really struggling so much with Hamas or, or Hezbollah's charter. <laughs> it's pretty explicit what they say. Hezbollah believes that they, all the Jews in the world should make Aliyah so they can kill him all in one place. It's, it's on their charter, folks, right? So, so nobody nobody's is writing articles about the philosophical difficulties of understanding that, which is pretty explicit. I just want to make that as an aside. But, but as, a, as a point over here, the Kedushas Levy says that we're not talking about over here necessarily a war on the outside, which it also is. It also is. Shaul HaMelech was, was, was castigated and lost his kingship because he misunderstood that. But at the same time, today, a very big portion of it is, is internal. Is there something inside of ourselves? Another way this is expressed, again, again also in Hasidic thought, in the Nisir Shalom, in Parashat Bashalach, he says the following, in Source 3, There is a constant battle being waged before the forces, the energy of Kedusha, of holiness, and the energies of impurity. Amalek represents this grain, this grain, this primordial essence of evil in the world. <coughs> Until the world is not fixed in the in the reign of Hashem. Hashem wants the world to develop to a place of perfection. And there's one thing which is stopping that, getting there is this notion of Amalek. To the degree that a person is able to overcome their individual expression of Amalek, so if a person is able to vanquish their internal expression of Amalek, they will therefore be able to contribute to the world's eradication of Amalek itself. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, how powerful am I? What can I really do to eradicate world evil? It says in the it starts at home on, the, on one's own doormat. One needs to do a quick introspection, not such a quick introspection, needs to be able to turn them so the, the, the lens inwards and say, can I eradicate that? By doing that, I've incrementally diminished the ideology of this idea called Amalek in the world. So a, a little bit, you see, he's, he's stretching with the Kudushas Levi a little more. The Kudushas Levi is saying this is totally internal. He's saying this is a reflection of the external as well. And I am able to eradicate piece by piece that ultimate, that, that expression. I think it's much more heroic to think of big battles and flags and weapons. You know, it's much easier to, to do it that way. But again, that, what that does is that relegates the, the, the responsibility of that to some futuristic <coughs> army at some point in time and nothing to do with us. And therefore we nod and we say, yes, we're going to have an army and we're going to have these... Incredible weapons to eradicate Amalek, and that divests ourselves of the responsibility. And and what what the Nisiv Shalom is saying, no, 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 the actual battle is being fought on a daily basis internally. So that this is why, perhaps, just coming back to the <coughs> the lashon of the of the Torah, one of the ideas which is expressed over here, why is it such a specific battle? Why is it a lashon yachid? Is because ultimately throughout history we're supposed to be listening to Zahar 
and we're supposed to be hearing, we're supposed to be hearing it and saying, yes, there is something I can do rather than something that somebody else will do um, to, to change us. I remember just as a as sort of a interesting aside, I once had the opportunity um, to, I went with Abby Deanstag to the house, to the offices of um, Judge Jack Weinstein, credible um, human being. Um, still rendering decisions, the district court, the federal district court, and he said an interesting thing. We're talking about environmentalism and the responsibility of environmentalism and who's going to change the world in terms of the consumer nature of society and, and the impact that's having on society. And his argument was is that it's ultimately up to the president in order to change policies. And this was just before the 2016 election. And my argument was, my very humble argument is, is that if you leave the responsibility of world change in the hands of one individual, you never know what's going to happen. And Hence, look what happened to the elections, by the way, right? The EPA took a little bit of a bump after that. Um, but if you leave, if you say that world, we'll call it world peace, world environmentalism is going to be the hands of one individual leader, that's not a very healthy way of looking at things. Because what happens if that leader isn't, doesn't care about that? The, the most, the, I, I would argue the, 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 the more wholesome way of expecting change is not to look at one individual at the top, but to look at the army of individuals in the country. If every person were to be less of a consumer, if every person were to switch off the tap while they're brushing their teeth or, or recycle the bottles or be less, or, or be less easy to re replace a product but to rather fix it, then all of society would be better, if you think about that. Meaning, how are we going to affect change? It takes, a, it takes a, an army, it takes a nation rather than just a leader. And of course the leader makes a bit difference, but in the same way over here, how do we fix the, this problem of Amalek? It's all very nice to say, yes, military leader, chief of staff, uh, st strategy and, and arms, but ultimately... Because Shlevi says, the, the, the Sean says, real change is affected by every, every individual, every person, every shareholder is making that difference. So vote. So vote, exactly. Um, there, there we go. As, that's one example of it. Um, so, but now, so the question is, so what is that? Okay, so this is all very esoteric. So, okay, so somehow, somewhere in me is a dark corner of this notion called harmonics. So what am I supposed to do about that? What is that, what is that notion? So the Mepharshim are replete with us trying to understand what the ideology of it is more than just who the people are if we try to do DNA testing. Rashi very famously, let's try to reread Rashi with this perspective in, in Rashi. Rashi very famously tells us that to understand the ideology, you need to look at the verb used in the Pasuk to describe this attack. It says, Asher Korachar. Rashi gives us a few explanations. He says in source 4, Asher Korachar Baderech, Loshon Mikre. It was an expression of Mikre. How do you translate Mikre? Happenstance, right? <laughs> we happen to be walking through the desert. They happen to be strolling through the Sinai Peninsula. And look at that. They happen to do that. Now, that's not what Rashi is saying. Rashi is saying that the attack was through the methodology of Mikre, which means to say, uh, as is, is clear from the next explanation, they invested immorality into, into our nation. Or the third one is, they cooled us down. So everybody else is scared to attack us. And they said, no, it's not such a big deal. Example being, the example that actually gives us famously is the hot bath. Somebody jumps in and now it burns themselves, scolds themselves, thereby everybody else is able to jump in. Think about Rashi for a second. What's the common thread between all of these ideas? Between all the different ways of translating it as Lashon, Mikre, Keri, or Kar, called. What is the, what is the common thread between them? Creating doubt. Creating doubt, which is the 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 the, 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 the which is the idea, which is the the the, 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 the is the gematria of a malik. But there's more. But there's a little more than I would say. The word that I'm looking for over here is disconnect. Disconnect. Meaning, what what is what what happens when you have happenstance? It's like 
You're essentially saying, you know, the fact that the bus arrived just on time, I got the meeting with that person who I happened to be standing in line at Starbucks with, and that was the, going to be the salvation for my career at that point in time. You know, good luck. That was just, just really good luck at that moment in time. What have I essentially done? I've disconnected that event from any, we'll call it, bigger theological perspective. There's nothing that it just happened to be. You know, I was lucky this time. I wasn't lucky last time. Right, the idea of Tumah is the absence, the disconnection of HaKadosh Baruch Hun. Similarly, well, how do you cool somebody down? The person's coming back. You know, you have somebody coming back from Shana Aleph in Israel and they're, they're all very religious and you're like, chill, it's all right. You know, <laughs> let's just all, you know, let's take a deep breath. This is not, you know, don't, let's not get too hot under the collar about these things. What are we doing? We're saying, don't, you know, all those ideas, those, those things, you know, come back to real life, right? So the, what, what essentially is happening is you're disconnecting them from the experience. If that's true, if, if this is the, the idea which is true, then this is very helpful in terms of, in terms of understanding what the amolic inside of ourselves is, if, if, if we're trying to isolate that. The way it's expressed in the Sif Seichheim, this is Rav Chaim Friedlander, in his commentary on the Moadim, he says a very interesting idea here in Source 5, and we're going to go, go to the last, um, uh, the last uh, let's start from um, the last four or five lines, it says, Lamrois kol zois. So in the middle of the paragraph, by the period, Lamrois kol zois, Amolek eno mispoel, af loy mimasha teva ha roimeim ha hispoel. They don't, they aren't excited, they don't get excited about things. Kufi shenema roloba torev aloyer elokim, umariv begoidel chutzpasoi lotseis ulazalzel, nifroitz poratzois ulazalek iras shamaim zu, ulachnis krirus beyirosam shel umasoelam. They, they, they add, they add this questioning, they add doubt, this cooling down. They devolve, they, they dismantle, they obliterate those ideas which are, we'll call values held high in society. You know, there's always, there's always somebody like this in the room, right? And you have a wonderful experience, you have an uplifting, elevating experience, and you're walking out of that, out of that you know, it was an incredible sheer, an incredible moment. You go to a uh, to, to policy conference, you, you're walking out, and there's somebody saying, you know, the speakers weren't set correctly. You know, it's like the air conditioning wasn't good. I, I didn't have a good seat. And you're like, you're trying to ex absorb this experience, and there's somebody... Who's, who's, you know, who's got the, who has something else to be able to do. He stuttered, he repeated a word, did you hear that? He, you know, he, 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 he spilled the cup as he was speaking. And, you, and now what, what you do is, is you, 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 you lose the whole experience because now we have the side commentary on, on what's going on. And that's, that's where the Amalek in the world creeps in and the Amalek within ourselves. I think, I think they're more dangerous than downers. Yes. Yes. In which way? Sorry, Max, keep going. You just said they're downers, but I think Amalek is more dangerous than the downers. So you're right. So, you're right. So, so it is true. It is true. Amalek themselves as the ideology of evil is. It is certainly. However, when trying to try and transcribe that inside of ourselves, what, what's to be found in ourselves, so this is where it begins. All, it all starts with a little bit of a, a question, a little bit of a laugh, a little bit of a leitzonos or a kelev, as the Midrash says. And that's where, that's where it begins. If we're able to catch it there, it stops it getting into, into further, into further, further devolution. Now, what I would just like to do, to do is, is that if this is true, if there's something inside of ourselves which also experiences that, we also want to just be that downer and then leads to, ne to the next things. If we want to, to pop that balloon of experience, I believe that the antidote itself is actually the Shabbos Zachar itself. And how is it that the Shabbos Zachar, the halachas of the Shabbos Zachar itself are the expression of this? So, 
Fascinatingly enough, let's, uh, what I'd like to do is, is look at four different steps in the way of the expression of Shabbos Zachar as an antidote to finding that darker corner within ourselves as we try to, as we try to appreciate this. And um, the one basic question to get you is, is how did the maftir of Parashas Kiseitse, which were those three psukim we're about to read this Shabbos, how did they turn into what we'll call the ritual that we have today? Meaning, if I were to give you those three psukim, would you have envisioned that they would turn into a global Kriyasatara once a year in Adar before Purim? Is that, what you, is that the natu- natural outcome no. of, of the halachic experience that just reading those three psukim? Not necessarily, right? Here we have our Baal Korah, our teacher of Bamit Zavos, would that have turned into no? So how did it evolve into that? Where did that come from? Where, where was that? So it's fascinating. There is a Gemara which talks about the idea of memory in general. So 6, the Gemara says, Om Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, If you, uh, this is today's daf, thank you. Daf Nun Ches, we're spot on here. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this. Um, so a person does, you don't see a friend of yours for 30 days. Just FaceTime count. And uh, so, uh, so you, you say the you say Sheikh Yanu because you haven't seen each other. Another, another Allah is the Gemara says, a person who says, um, you don't see a friend of yours for 12 months. Long time. This happens, right? There's somebody you have, they live in a different state, a different country. You finally see them. It's been a while. You say, there's a bracha. You don't say Hashem Malchus today, but you would say, Baruch Achmachaya Meisim. They are there. They sort of speak. They're out of your life. They're out of your orbit. They're out of your space. The Gemara says, why? <laughs> so the, the, the Gemara says that naturally in the human psyche it takes 12 months to lose something, not everything, but to lose the acuteness of the trauma of, of, of loss, which is why, of course, the Avelus process is... Yud Beis Chodesh, right? The Yud Beis Chodesh is the, is the point in time where the scar remains and the, there's going to be pain when it rains and, and there's, oh, that, that pain will never really go away. But the acuteness of that trauma is not going to be as, um, as, uh, as expressed. This is what the, what the Gemara says, which is why there's a bracha on Mechayim Mesim on seeing a person one hasn't seen for a while. So this Chasim Soifer says, La'alocha, that's why it is that we need to ensure that this mitzvah of Zachor, of remembering, has to be at least within... 12 months. The reason why it's an annual event as opposed to a weekly, monthly, or biannual event is because this is the expression of this idea, is that memory, we'll call it the very end, the very perimeter of memory, acuteness of memory is 12 months. So therefore it's instituted every 12 months to do Shabbat Zohar, which is why, that's just fascinating, he says that in Israel when they used to have a triannual cycle, Instead of the Kriyasatora every three years, so they would have Bashalach in the first year, they'd have Kisaitz in the last year, but the middle year they wouldn't have it, which is why it was necessary even then to have Shabbos Zachar. Isn't that interesting? To have Zachar every, every year, you having one remembrance of Amalek. And even today, he, he talks, the, the person who asks the question to the, to the, the Chassam Sofer says, What about in, a, in an Iburiyar when you have an extra Adar? Because now you have an issue. What happens is, is that there's a 13 month gap between Zachar to Zachar. Does the memory change? So there's a suggestion which is made is that in such a year, when you get to Parashas say to have in mind to the, the Zohar again as you read it, even though that's not Parashas Zohar, why? To make sure that we don't have a 12-month uh, month period where we don't, we don't think you're a monarch. And I think, by the way, and this, this, is, this is the thesis that I would like to, to, uh, to suggest, is that the very antidote to disconnection is constant connection. Right? 
How is it that an ideology which always says, ah, it's not important, it's not relevant, it's not worth mem- remembering, it's not worth talking about, well, how do we respond to that? We remember. We make sure that it is always present, it's ever present in our lives. The idea is present in lives. How is that? Where is the, tra- the horizon of memory is 12 months? We make sure that in our lives that we have the, that we have the memory of this idea. In fact, they say that when Napoleon um, originally came to the land of Israel, he made his way across Europe, he made his way to the, the Holy Land. And, um, he came across Jews who were expressing, who were, who, were, who were mourning on Tisha B'Av. And he said, what happened? And they said, well, we lost our holy temples. He says, when did this happen? You know, he felt he was in control of, the, of, of, of Europe. When did this exactly occur? And they said, no, it was 1,500 years ago. So he said, you know, and the, the quote, again, it, it might be apocryphal. And in that case, he says, there's no doubt that their temple will rebuild. A people capable of crying for so long over a destroyed temple and land will eventually find its way home. That's interesting in terms of what, it, what we are the people of connection. We're the people of where it's so real, it's so imminent, it's so in our face, as opposed to the ideology of disconnection where nothing has value, nothing is relevant, nothing can make us move in our passion. Another expression of this. By the way, yes. there's another sorry for that, just at that point. That oh, Zayr al is to but for us the Bishop is alive. Ah, very good. So it's real. It's very much real. And that's again the antidote to exactly that, that, that issue. The idea of that Amalek within us which wants to dismiss, which wants to leave behind. We in society, as just, just to give a, 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 the struggle we're up against, we in Western society are struggling against the two paramount ideals in society. What are the paramount ideals in our society? The, the two ideas which govern every action of every person in this society, and they are two values, and they are called entertainment and convenience. Those are the most important values in this society. If we can align our values with them, in other words, if we can bribe our kids through entertainment or convenience, we will get them to do things which will be the vehicle towards entertainment and convenience. Think about the, 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 think about the currency in which we use to get people to do things. But the passion... Ideas, religion are not values of today's society. They may be vehicles towards passion, to, to entertainment and convenience. Think about what we're, the, the, the idea of living a life based on values and actually expressing those values on a day-to-day basis. We are a dinosaur, folks. We are a fossil of the ancient ideas, if you think about it, of, of living a life of passion, living a life of values, because we're in a society which doesn't really value values necessarily. Uh, um, entertainment and convenience are the two most predominant, which is why, which is why Amazon's winning. You know, I love Staples and I love Best Buy and I want those stores to be around when I need them. But Tachles, <laughs> Amazon Prime is delivering tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and it takes a little less, little less effort to get to the store. So I really ideologically believe in it, but Tachles, right, I'm going to have to, right, there's an article in the New York Times called The Tyranny of Convenience. Really worthwhile read. The Tyranny of Convenience, how convenience rules our lives. So we're talking about, do we, live, do we have passion? Do we have ideas? Are we willing to live those ideas? Are we willing to make the, we'll call it zakhar, to remember to connect the dots for ideas that are worth living and actually sacrificing for? That's, that's one of the questions. Another, another expression of this is, um, is an interesting halacha in, uh, in, 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 when it comes to zakhar. This is in the Gemari Megillah Daf Yud Ches. The Gemari Megillah Daf Yud Ches is talking about the Mishnah, which is talking about some of the halachas of, um, of, um, of uh, um, Mikra Megillah, actually. It says, And it says, um, And the Gemara then goes on to say, um, 
And then it's on the next page. Oh, at the bottom of the page. We might have the hero kriahi. How do you know that the mentioning is actually reading? Dilma iyun ba'alma. Maybe it's just means to say remembering. You're thinking about it, philosophizing. The Gemara says no. Zachar yochol yochol balev kashu oimer loy tishkach harei shichachas alev amur mani mekayim zachar baper. The Gemara says that it's not sufficient to say you know mental note red string around the finger. I'm going to remember Amalek and I'm done this year. We need to actually articulate the idea. We need to go to Shul and we need to read about it in a, in, in, its, in, in a verbal way as opposed to a cerebral way. One of the ways and the most important way to actually create memory, to create ideas, is to talk about those ideas. We can think about ideas from today until tomorrow and it won't change the world. There are lots of great thinkers. I don't care about the great thinkers. We need to have the great actors. We need to have people who are going to think and express and be willing to talk about those ideas, which is why, again, another level of the antidote to the Amalek is talking about the ideas, being willing to speak up. When you come back to that example in the court of Pharaoh, where it talks about how Pharaoh had advisors, and one of them was Eov, one of them was Bilam, and one of them was Yisroi, and he suggested his final solution. He said, you know what, we're going to eradicate the, the young males of, the, the, of Israel. Then there, was, there were different reactions. They, uh, famously, Yisrael protested. Eov remained silent, and Bilam said, fantastic idea. And here, I'll, I'll, I'll help, I'll help pr- perfect the plan. So in those cases, Bilam ultimately was killed. Eov was um, suffered, and Yisrael became this priest. Fascinating enough, there's a whole question. Racham Shalem deals with why is it that Eov seems to be worse off than Bilam. Bilam dies, but Eov suffers, right? So Racham Shalev talks about the value of life, even a difficult life. But nonetheless, the silence, silence isn't always the answer. You can't just, wait, you know, wait out the wave in silence. We have to be able to, if we believe in something, are we willing to say it? Are we willing to talk about it? I, I, I struggle with this when I see kids, when kids are, are, are davening. I see, I see this all the time. A lot of times you'll see they just think about things. They'll look at the words, they'll look at the page. It, it doesn't work like that. HaKadosh Baruch the Maral asks us, why does Hashem need us to articulate prayers? And the, the answer is, is that the HaKadosh Baruch created the system where He wants us to be engaged in the process. And engagement does not mean thinking, because when we start thinking, we start thinking about other things as well. Do we really believe in something if we're not willing to say it? Are we willing to commit to words? Are we willing to commit to, commit to writing our ideas? Not so, not so posh. This is the idea of, um, of Mechia Samalek is in ourselves, can we express, are we willing to take a stand on the ideals that we stand for? Um, let's take it one step further. And this is uh, the idea of continued experience. Very similar idea, but, uh, but, but uh, to one further level. You notice that, by the way, the Morgan Avram quotes, we're not going to read inside, but there's actually sheish zechiros. There are six remembrances which are necessary. You turn to the back of your sidurim after chakras, the sidurim have what's called the six remembrances. They are zechiros yitzhiyas mitzrayim, exodus, Zechiras Matan Torah, Mahar Sinai, remembering the giving of the Torah. Zechiras Ma'asa Molek, that's the, the, the one that we're dealing with. Zechiras Ma'asa Egel, remembering the Golden Calf. Zechiras Ma'asa Miriam, and Zechiras Shabbos. Those are the six memories that the Torah explicitly says the word Zechira in relationship to them. These are obviously ideals which are so important. The one which seems to be, by the way, out of the, um, of the fold is Ma'asa Miriam. You say, why is that so important? The idea apparently of speech and Lashon Hara is so important it goes up there with Matan Torah and Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. That's what you see from here. But in, independently of this, you see a very fascinating idea is that this is not the only idea that requires memory and articulation. 
And here's how the Rambam expresses we are now in the season where we're just, just within range of the second P, right? We're approaching the first P, which is Purim. But of course, after that comes the second P, which is Pesach. And we're about to enter into that season. The Rambam tells us in, in Hilchus Chometz Samatz in source 12, Mitzvahs are saying in the Torah, the Saper Benisim and Nifloois, Shinasullah was sent with Mitzrayim, Balel Chabisha or Sabadisan. Rabbi says, we're supposed to remember how we left Egypt like we're supposed to remember the day of Shabbos. Where does that come from? Like, you know, what he's doing, you see, he's crossing the divide. He's saying the memory of Shabbos is parallel to the memory of Pesach. Those are two of the Sheshes of Heroes. Where, where, where does he come from? Where did the Rabbi get this from? Actually, interestingly enough, it is a Midrash Tanchuma, sorry, Midrash Rabba, which actually does mention this in Pasha's Kisisa. That's idea. Why should Pesach be like Shabbos in any way? Of course, we have Mimacharas Shabbos, which is a relationship to Pesach. But why should the memory of Pesach be like the memory of Shabbos? So I actually had the opportunity last week of being at a Yarchi Kala. And, uh, and fascinatingly enough, um, Rabbi J.J. Shachter quoted this very fascinating idea. And he says, he has an article, he has a concept which he called, talks about the Arab Shabbos Jew. And a very beautiful, beautiful idea where we talk about, when we talk about a person who keeps Shabbos, what do we say that person is? We say they're a Shomer Shabbos, which we generally mean to take to mean is that they keep Shabbos. They keep all the mitzvahs loisai, say the mitzvahs aseo Shabbos. They're a, a Shabbos observant Jew. However, there's another word for, the, there's another explanation of the word Shomer. Shomer is actually, in Parashas Vayeshev, it says, Aviv, Shomar, Es Hadavar, Yaakov Vinu, Shomar Es Hadavar. What does Rashi say? He was anticipating. Masa Yagia. When is it going to arrive? What does it mean to be Shomer Shabbos? Shomer Shabbos means to say that it's Sunday morning and I'm saying, you know, I'm still reverberating with that experience of Shabbos. And as I get to Monday, mo- Monday morning, I start saying the Shir Shiyom, and I say, L'chun Randall, right? And I start thinking, I'm anticipating, I'm coming. Shomer Shabbos is not about being on Shabbos itself. It's about the experience of getting towards the Shabbos itself. That's what the Aptorov says, the Oye of Yisrael says on that Pasuk. Meaning, how am I going to arrive at the Shabbos is the question that's at stake. Perhaps, perhaps, this is what's uh, demanded of us the same way about Pesach. Um, in this beautiful Sefer, which is called the Mishnah Sachir. Does anybody know who the Mishnah Sachir is? One of the overlooked, overlooked svarim. Rav Taichtal. Most people don't realize this. Rav Taichtal, Rav Sachar Taichtal, was a tremendous godel. He also wrote Emma Bonim Smecha. Now, that was the end of his career. We know him more, more famously for the end of his career. And that is, at the end of his career, when he was being hunted by the Nazis in an attic without any sources, he wrote a book called Emma Bonim Smecha, which everybody should read. By the way, later on they sourced it and they found almost word for word every source that he was quoting. Is, I mean, he, this was all without any notes. He wrote Amabani Smecha about uh, he was an anti-Zionist. And afterwards, after the war, when he was going through the war, he realized, he realized that the Chibu Tzion was very important in a religious way, of course. And so he wrote this book. But nonetheless, he was a formidable Poisek. And he says a very interesting, he has a very interesting uh, idea which he says in the following, page 6, which is very important just to, uh, to learn his Torah as well from the years beforehand. He says the following, He says, you'll see, The Mitzvah doesn't mean to say, you, I get to Shabbos, you know, I collapse on the doorstep of Shabbos, you know, barely out of the shower with, with the tire hardly on at that point, and that's how, that's how Shabbos, no. He says, the whole week, is moving towards Shabbos. We don't call the mitzvah on Monday to remember Shabbos its own mitzvah. 
הנכללת במצוות זכיר עשר שבס היא השורש והעיקר. וזכיר דחול יום ויום היא ענף ממצוות זכיר השבס והכל אחד. Although the real קיום of the מצווה, the real fulfillment of the מצווה is actually happening on שבס. בנאנדלס, the entire week is an overflow, an extension of that same מצווה. כמו שכוסף הביר של הרמב״ם בסיום דבורוב, שכל מצוות הזכיר רב במניין אחד ואחרי שבון רמח מצוות עשה. וכמוהי כן, He says, nonetheless, אבל ודא כל הזכירה אחסי, והכל רצוני לומר, הזכירה דלל פסח, הזכירה דכל יום ויום, והשונה במניין אחד נמנה בחשבון התרי"ג מצווה. It's one מצווה, what I'm doing on the night of Pesach, and what I'm doing every day is an extension of that. The question he's answering is why the Rambam does not pasken that there's a mitzvah zechiris yitzvah shem on a daily basis. Why does the Rambam admit that? So he says, because it is an overflowing extension of the experience of Pesach. So right now, in the, in the beginning of Adar, as I read, uh, as I read the Kriya Shema this morning and this evening, and I mention Zechiras Yitzchus Mitzrayim, I am fulfilling the extension of the entire memory of Pesach. I'm living with it by extension. This just beautiful principle, the idea of Mashmir Shabbos being on a Sunday morning now, because I'm anticipating Shabbos is expre- expressing itself in the week, the way that it would be described is that Beis Shammai and Hillel, where the Gomorrah Beitzah tells us that on a Monday morning, when they'd find a good cut of meat in the supermarket, you know, they would have different ways of doing it. So Beis Shammai, Shammai would say, he'd buy the meat and he'd put it in the freezer, they didn't have freezers in those days, yeah, he, he, would, he would buy the meat and he would say, this would be for Shabbos. But the idea being is that his Monday shopping was related to his Shabbos. It, 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 the idea of memory pervades our everyday experience. Similarly, I would wonder if we're, if we're able to, perhaps to extend this across the divide of the other Zechiros as well. Maybe the reason why it's mentioned after Shachris every day is because we're supposed to be living with us. Although there may be a moment in time in the year where we express this, it's supposed to be, ex- it's supposed to be enveloping us the whole time. This is why... This is why, actually, just interestingly enough, I was able to include this beautiful source. Rav Soloveitchik talks about this. Um, did I put this in? I hope I did. I don't think I did. No. Page four. Did I put Rav Soloveitchik in? Okay. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been a, 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 I, got the, I think I managed to get this last moment. Page four. Thank you. So Rav Soloveitchik talks about the, the following to- topic. There's, a, there's the discussion of what's called Birkas HaTorah. Every morning we're supposed to make a Birkas HaTorah. We say a blessing on the Torah. And the strange thing is, is that is, is the following. If you parallel to the mitzvah of Leishev Basukah as an example, Leishev Basukah, I say every time I'm in the sukkah. But if I have a hefsek, let's say I go out, I go to shul, I take a walk, I, I, you know, I, I need to go visit somebody, and now I come back to the sukkah, if there's been a sufficient enough break, I need to make a new Leishev Basukah. So the question that the Tosis deals with in Brachas earlier on, on Daf Yudalif, is the, is, is the question is, why is it, that when it comes to Birkas Torah, I'm in Shul, I'm feeling very religious right now, I'm saying my Birkas Torah, in fact, I have, I, I have the Kriya Shema, can I consider that the learning, I have the, I have the, the Pasuk and the Mishnah, the Gemara, which is said afterwards, and maybe I sit down even for a few minutes afterwards, maybe I go to Shir, I feel wonderful, and then I, I have to get on that train, and I, live, and I have to go to, to the boardroom, and I have to experience all these very complicated issues which have nothing to do, seemingly, with the spiritual world, and then at lunch break, I have a moment to be able to listen to a Shir, or go to a Mincha, or whatever it is, so that point in time, it should be like Leishev, and so what should happen? I should say, I knew Birkas HaTorah. 
That's the question that Tosis asks. So, so, and and the, the Tosis talks about the idea that there is this, there's this idea, what's called a latent awareness, that my Berkha Zohar carries me through all the time because my entire day involves the learning of Torah. What does that mean? So the Son of Atrix gives the, the following example, a very famous example, but it's so beautiful. He says in, the, in Source 8, he says, when a mother, in the embolded section, when a mother plays with her child, for example, there is an acute awareness of a child's existence. That's acute awareness. But even when the mother is working at a job or is distracted by some other activity, there is a natural latent awareness of a child's existence. This latent awareness is expressed in commitment, devotion, and feeling of identification. So she may not be with the child. She may not be seeing the child. She may not be FaceTiming with the child. But that child is very much a part of her existence to the degree that if you were to look at the energy bars of what uh, the, the mind of the mother is being spent doing, there's a fraction of energy at all times being spent on the care. A child will never leave the heart of a parent. Never. No matter where they are. That's the, what we call latent awareness. So what's being said over here is I think the idea of these heroes is that there's a moment of acute awareness. There's Pesach for, for every seven days for Shabbos. There's Zohar for Amalek. But there's also the latent awareness. That the rest of the year, I need to have, I need to cultivate the overflow awareness of that idea, which expresses itself on a daily basis. If Amalek represents the notion of disconnection, on my daily, on my, on my Sunday morning in the middle of Adar, is there something about today where I can perhaps refrain from something of Mikre, of Karirus, of Keri, of the ideas that Rashi was talking about, which should be found within ourselves? That's a, that, that is the, the question. And finally, the last idea for today, because we're running out of time, there's a lot more to talk about, but one last idea which I think is just magnificent. And this is Rav Shimshon Rafael Hirsch at the end of Parashat B'Shalach. And again, he talks about Amalek as an ideal as opposed to a nation. But listen to the idea of what is that ideal. He shifts the, the pin just ever so slightly. Source 14, he says, It is not Amalek who is so pernicious for the... Uh, it, it, is, it is not Amalek who is so pernicious for the moral future of mankind, but Zecher Amalek. Meaning... The nation has gone away. The nation has disappeared. It's their memory which is the danger. The glorifying of the memory of Amalek which is, is a danger. As long as the annals of humanity cover the memory of the heroes of the sword with glory. As long as those that throttle and murder the happiness of mankind are not buried in oblivion. So long will, be, so long will each successive generation look up in worship to these great ones of violence and force. And their memory will awaken the desire to emulate these heroes and acquire equal glory with equal violence and force. Brilliant. So it moves away from the idea of the downer, as Max was saying, into the idea of them actually representing an ideology of violence, of evil. And as long as society will always, so to speak, put on a pedestal those being the heroes of society. Think about the greats, you know, Alexander the Great. He murdered, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people. Right. What, what, what do we value as, as, uh, as we'll call it uh, uh, in our value system at the top of the totem pole? Society itself values power. As, uh, and as long as we still talk that currency, we are falling prey to the same ideology itself. Uh, just an example which happened this year, an incredible Kiddush Hashem happened. For those who are following in the news, that um, I just put a part of the BBC article here on page 7, that there was a fellow by the name of Abdullah Chatila. Anybody familiar? Remember, remember this event? It happened in November 2019. So this was lost, it was lost in the, in the news cycle. It's so important to remember this. There was an auction which was held in Germany um, at, the, at the end of the last year. And the, uh, the auction was for the items of Hitler and Machimo, his, his hat with the initials AH in it. Um, they had a number of other ideas, a, a cigar box, a typewriter, a silver-covered edition of his autobiographical Mein Kampf. And they were selling these on auction. And there was a Swiss Lebanese individual, very rich man, 
um, from Switzerland who realized the danger of this auction because who is going to be bidding at that auction, folks? <laughs> they should arrest the entire auction right there. It's like, it's, you know, all future neo-Nazis are going to be in that audience, right? We know who's coming to that auction. He was a very rich man. He bid on these items. He bought these items and he turned them over to Karen Ayasad. What a remarkable man. This is a, a, a Christian Lebanese man who realized, realized the danger of this. Because what, what was Rav Hirsch saying? is when you celebrate the ideas of violence, when you celebrate the currency of power, then we're continuing the notion of Amalek in this world. And this, it takes a lot of foresight to realize this, that when we ourselves speak in this way, when we talk about might, when, when, when we talk about security threats, and the only response is security, as opposed to also Tvila, then something, there's something over there which is missing in terms of our relationship to the Ribbon Islam, to the Ratz and Hashem. Again, let's take a quick step backwards. Why is it that Amalek is mentioned in, in individual eradication? Why is it that we have to take up our own arms as opposed to our shemul fight the battle? The answer is, is because it's really up to us. There's something in internally in which we have to fight. How do we fight that? What, in which way do we do that? Well, if they represent disconnection, we represent connection. Connection through the notion of at the, at the horizon of memory. Every 12 months, it's part of our life. When it comes to the way we articulate our ideas, no, we don't just think about them. When it comes to the idea that we live with it on a daily basis, that the zahira is overflowing into our daily, our daily lives, and the idea that the, what we talk about are not the ideas and the basic currency or assumptions of Amalek, are perhaps the ways that we have the opportunity of making a difference. And as we extinguish those flames internally in ourselves, hopefully globally we extinguish the fire of Amalek. Have a wonderful, meaningful day. When you think about Rav Salavechik's point, we're saying Krishna, we're saying